0: Hello, everyone. My name is Hank Suttala, and I'm here with Casey McBride. And uh, first, my apologies from yesterday. I forgot to put the stream to my personal page as public, and there was a ton of comments there, and we missed all of them. (laughs) So we're starting today with a topic that people want to know more about, which was the power of tone and frequency.
1: Yeah. And this is something I don't have a whole ton of experience with. So hopefully uh, you can help expand upon that and then we'll see what I can bring to the table.
0: Well, I find that hard to believe seeing that I saw you do a video singing light language and okay. I saw you okay. doing <laughs> a, a, a thing of like Casey is one of those people that can do this really deep um, it almost sounds like a do, except he's the one doing the tones. It's a, a special type of singing and mm. all, all these types of vibrations all have different things that they can do for us. Uh, so, um, If you do have any questions as we go through everything, uh, please let us know. But I I put together a few things that I wanted to share just to kind of give you an idea of a little bit of the science behind the sound. Before we bridge into the metaphysics, I actually teach a class called Science Behind the Sound. And there's all kinds of wonderful things that it does physiologically. So when I'm at a show and I got one of the husbands, it's like this that's there because somebody drug them with them. I I give them the science explanation and it gives them the ability to kind of wrap their head around it. Uh, But but first, uh, let me show you, I'm gonna do a little screen share if I do it correctly here,
1: Uh, let's see. More fun, new technology for Sean to play
0: with. I don't think we've done that before on this podcast. Uh, I've done it on, uh, now I can't share the whole video because technically this isn't my video. Uh, So I just want to show you, this is a somatic plate. And um, if you Google Google, the title there, you'll you'll find the whole video, and this is to music. And basically, they show that as you send specific frequencies through, uh, like a resonate a plate like this, uh, the sand will or salt, whatever you put on there, it vibrates and it will form different patterns. So in this case, um, this is like 5,000. Uh, 907 hertz, which is cycles per second, how many times the plate's oscillating. And as you go down, the the things get a little less and less complex, the higher you go, the more complex they get. Uh, So one thing when you're thinking about 440 versus like 432 and things like that, what is it doing to your body like if you do 440 on this plate and unfortunately they didn't give this as an example in this video uh but it makes kind of like just a blob of energy and if you do 432 it makes like a 16 pointed star that looks like a sun and so like when you're thinking about what you're listening to and the impact that it has on the physiology of your body that's something to be said now the real magic though where the science starts to bridge into the metaphysics let me share a different little thing for you here see this is where i have to get used to the the uh new technology just going (laughs) through it so that is the what happens just based on the frequency now when you deal with harmonics when sound waves are interacting it creates millions or thousands however many a lot of different um still points in the ball the body and what happens is the frequency uh, the, the harmonics that are interacting with the water molecules it starts to make the water molecules spin and they actually do this is something that they developed from acoustic levitation it's uh, something they use in the pharmaceutical industry and you can see like depending on the harmonic like when they put the drop of water in it just levitates and now when it's a second harmonic it starts making a two-pointed star i'll just play a little bit so you can kind of see how it's oscillating right and so that's the third harmonic and when you go up to like eighth harmonics now it's making like a little pattern like that so what sound healing really is doing is it's creating like sacred geometry in the water molecules of your body and that's where like the the science of it like when you're getting the um the nitric oxide release from cells from puffing and everything you're getting this physiological benefit of being relaxed uh but when you start doing the harmonics of it it creates this entire thing where you're getting all this uh, action happening in the water molecules
1: I, the only, the experience I have as far as the scientific knowledge comes from researching a little bit about um, Dr. Uh, Emoto's uh, works, a Japanese scientist, and yeah, he would do um, experiments where he would freeze water, he would magnetically restructure it, so it was, uh, like, so you could say it was, like, sort of neutral or blank as far as no um, previous, like, instructions or energy were held in the water. And then he would apply various stimuli, and a lot of it was with sound. He would play different kinds of music, like beautiful symphonies, and then freeze the water, and it would create those complex um, like beautiful snowflake, like patterns when frozen. And then he would play like really dissonant, like angry death metal, and it would be all fractured and, and, and and stuff. And, uh, so I thought that was really fascinating. But the thing that's when talking about the water aspect of how sound interacts with water, you know, something to think about is our our bodies are majority water. And if the uh, vibrations of sound have that big of an impact on, uh, drop a water floating in the air, why wouldn't it have just as much impact in the water in our bodies?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then there was the final thing that I, I wanted to show you guys is there was this, um this group in Australia, a gong group and gongs are like those big metal things you hit. Uh, and I have only one, I want to get many, many more eventually. But what they did is they actually had uh, people do blood draws before and after they did a sound bath and uh. The cool thing was, let me see if I can find it. When they were showing the cells, the cells were all just kind of not moving a lot. And then later after the sound bath, when they did it, they were all um, a lot more moving. They, they had gone from a more elliptical thing to more spherical or just much when you look at cells, what you're looking for when you have healthy cells. So just another like cool little scientific thing showing like when you are exposed to uh, things like crystal balls, tuning forks, gongs and things like that of uh, the healing benefit that it might, might occur. Cause of course we're not medical doctors. We're not claiming to treat, diagnose or cure any disease. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating stuff and you know we're constantly surrounded by
1: sound. There's always some kind of soundscape, you know. I, I, I think it's hard to escape um and whether you're in like a quiet room in your house, you're still getting like sounds from outside and maybe like cars passing by or whatever. Um, and, I, and I know personally that I'm I'm really kind of sensitive to the effect that sounds have on me. And uh, like noises of like the city and cars and things like that tend to put me in a more contracted state where if I'm in the forest and I'm hearing the sounds of like the wind rustling through the leaves or a babbling brook or the birds or whatever, I just feel so much more at ease. And um, I, I guarantee you, I could be completely eyes closed, no other sensory input, just to have the sound of those different things uh, would create a completely different state of being within myself. So I know just from personal experience, it's, yeah, sound is always having an impact on us, not just when we're working with energy healing or, or, or sound healing.
0: Right. And one of the things like if you don't have the flexibility to have crystal balls or to have tuning forks, because if you ever go to my office, I literally have like a 300 some tuning forks and 20 some crystal balls. You don't really need any of that. Uh, I have like a lot of toys and they're fun to play with. But at the end of the day, every one of us has a great sound healing tool and that's our own voice. And in the Paco tradition of Peru, what uh, what I what, a tool that I can give everybody to help balance some energy centers. Uh, and I'll, I'll show you a diagram afterwards for chakras because I'm not as familiar with the chakra system. But in uh, the Peruvian system, we have uh, these things called Nawis, which are these lenses of energy. And there's five primary ones. There's one at the tailbone for mother um, Mother water. Uh, there was one at the navel for mother earth. Uh, there was one that, at the heart for Inti, Tida, which is father, son. And then you have waira and Mama Kia in the throat, which is a silver and a blue energy coming to the throat. And then you have wiracocha, which is like the fifth of the, the your connection to the upper world or whatnot. And, and Waida and Mama Kia are well, the wind and Mother Moon. Correct. Okay, sorry <laughs> if I missed that. And if you want to do like Taiwan Waida, that would be like the four winds. Uh, each one has a color. So Mother Unu and the tailbone is black, uh, Mama Apachamama much as Mother Earth is red coming into the navel. And then you have gold for Inti, Father, Son, blue for Wira, silver for Mamakia, and then like a purple energy for kocha And when we open up in the proving tradition, there's certain ways that you call these in toning wise. And if you listen, I'll chant each one for you. Um, and you can chant these on your own because when you're doing the, the things on your own, you're creating your own uh, vibration in your body, which helps these things to come into resonance. And that's where when you're balancing chakras or energy systems, what you are doing is you're finding a, an octave of a healthy frequency because now the, the frequency for a chakra or frequency for a nawi are outside of the audible range. But if you keep, Doubling it or having it, uh, depending what the frequency is, eventually you get something that's in the audible range. And if you play something that's the same octave, but it's a different octave up or down or whatnot, it still helps that energy center to come into a healthy resonance. So, like if you had a healthy frequency of something. So listen as I do, "Pachamama," which is Mother Earth. Pachamama, Pachamama. Right? And now you have Mama Unu, which is very similar, or you could chant Mama Kia or Mama Unu, or I'm sorry, Mama Kocha. They're all the same. It's Mother Water, Mother Ocean, Mama Kia. They're different things, um, but but they're the same tone when you chant them. Mama Mama Unu. And then Inti, or actually wider would be first, is a little bit higher. Waira. And then we have inti. inti. Now one that we didn't talk about yet that, that is kind of a bridging energy up to witacocha not really affected with the Nawi, but I feel like I want to give them all to you, uh, is which is the rainbow and it's representative in the uh, metaphysics and esoteric uh, knowledge as the rainbow bridge it's the bridge of consciousness from our physical being uh, up through the upper world to our higher self your soul self whatever word you want to call to call it and then uh, of course to creator and Queechi sounds like this Ka-we-chi. and notice that when you're calling about bridge it's like a swing up in notes even each one as we're going around the alchemy of the mesa because uh, you start with a physical thing you move to water you move to air you move to sun right plasma it's like this uh, as you chant it's also a way that if you have energies in the body that you want to transmute you're also kind of taking it on a on a path of raising the vibration of whatever you're working with so it's not just balancing the noise you can also use this as a kind of alchemy for transmutation of things and then you have the final one we're which would be the crater energy, uh, and those are the tones you make as you go around the mesa. Calling in. And now speaking of toning, it's really cool when you do these sort of things
1: with um, other people, and uh, and I know I've uh, done a lot, not specifically calling in. The different elements. But uh, when I would get people together for meditation, oftentimes I would like to end with toning. And you'd, we would just literally do vowel sounds like, ah, oh, and everyone in the room would, oh, really loud for a sustained period of time. we'd do that like five times. And because you get people whose voices are, you know, some like, female voices often are a lot higher pitched than, uh, male voices. Um, so there'd be like that little, um, I don't know what you call it, like harmonic, uh, resonance or dissonance mm-hmm. or whatever you call it. Um, but like you literally start to hear almost like a binaural beat effect where in the air on, on top of just the tones that you're making, there's like these kind of like waving sounds that come in and then other tones come in above and below what everyone's singing. And it's the, it's a wonder, an incredible experience to have, yeah. because physically, all you're doing is just using the voice you've always used to make a sound. But all these sounds that we weren't even aware of, it's possible to create with human voices start to come through.
0: Right, and I found the same thing with using tools like tuning forks and bowls. Each, even though each one has its own fundamental frequency. Um, there seems to be sometimes when you activate two forks while you're in the middle of the session, a tone will come out of the tones is the only way I can describe it. That normally I've never heard them make it that way before, but some the combination of the client, the forks, whatever else is going on, you have these amazing frequencies come out that are just like, whoa, I've never heard that fork made that sound. Uh, but you mentioned another thing, kind of a segue with a slide I had ready, um, binaural beats. Are you familiar with how that's used for brain waves?
1: Yes. yes. Brainwave entrainment is the term, I believe. Um,
0: you can go ahead. You can give your... Yeah. No, no. Well, <laughs> you, you can use, say what you know, and then I'll I'll speak specifically how you could do it with a tuning fork. Okay. So as far as
1: I'm aware with binaural beats, it's usually done in the context that I'm aware of it with headphones on. And what happens mm-hmm. is they play a certain, uh, a, and you need a stereo headphone, so you get two different sounds coming through in each ear. One ear, they play a frequency of a certain whatever, certain frequency. Uh, And then in the other ear, it's like a certain amount below or above that or something. Mm -hmm. And so what your brain does is it, um, it, it takes the difference between the two. So instead of hearing two different constant tones, you get this cycle sort of that kind of waving sound, even Uh, though. I call them the Wawa's. The Wawa's. That's a great <laughs> way to put it. I love it. Um, and then what happens is playing that sound uh, enough, and because it's coming from the two different ears, which interact with different hemispheres in your brain, your brain very easily begins to follow that frequency. So we're used to, and I don't know all of the numbers, but like when we're functioning in our day to day life, focusing on tasks, thinking really like trying to go around and get work done, we're in beta brain waves. And uh, so they may play a tone that is associated with uh, like, you know, an audible version of Mm -hmm. our um, alpha or theta brainwaves. And then our brains will follow that down until we reach the same sort of frequency or an equivalent frequency.
0: Yeah. And and if you, if you pick whatever uh, meditation that you want with, these built in and you get your brain to entrain and learn how to go there, uh, you'll get to the point where you don't need those things to get there. But if you, it's kind of a way to fast track meditation in a way too. Um, and But in healing work, I always say that theta is where the magic happens. And that is like between four and eight hertz four and eight cycles per second. And what you, do, you can do with tuning forks, uh, there's like certain ones called brainwave tuners. And the frequency that Casey was talking about that was, that's going into the left and right side of the ear. those frequencies don't matter to create the binaural beat. But if you pick specific frequencies, it does matter. So why use 250 and 257, for example, uh, to get to seven cycles per second, where you could use something uh, like, I, I have a custom set of tuning forks that I sell. It's called the master theta set and it's 70 and point something it's like a slight slightly thing off uh, from 70 a frequency that they find to be good with developing psychic awareness and then 77 which is a master number so not only are you having the binaural beat and theta but the two frequencies that you're using to create it are also significant in the fact that they also have value oh i love
1: it that's awesome um yeah and i know uh Kind of funny little side story. uh Binaural beats have come so far. Now you go on YouTube. There's all different ones for st- specific intentions. There's ones incorporated with uh med- like guided meditations and everything. But a funny little story. My one of my first experiences with binaural beats. I was uh, a y- uh, younger kid, and um, we were uh, found a website that was talking about it. Somehow, me and my cousin had discovered this website, and. Um, the, and their the claim that they made was that by listening to these binaural beats it would create different effects of different drugs and um like psychedelic substances basically and um you know we, we were kids so we had no experience with that but we were like whoa what if it works you know and so, so we <laughs> sat, i just remember sitting there in the basement of my cousin's house and sitting there with a the frequency going like whoa my am i, am I Am I having an experience yet? You know, what's going on? (laughs) But um, yeah, things have obviously come a lot further. And and I don't think there are people trying to make those wild claims about binaural beats anymore. Now people are using it for healing. And Mm -hmm. uh, so it's wonderful.
0: Well, and different thetas can actually help you with different things. Like there's between four and eight cycles per second, there's an infinite number of minute frequency differences. And I actually had one uh, client, he custom ordered tuning forks, and it was like a 50 fork set. And he was ordering like one fundamental, and then all these very slight deviations off of that. And he was sitting in meditation, uh, like for a couple weeks at a time with one particular little slice of theta and see what his experience was. And then he would pick a different little slice. And he was kind of uh, mapping what his different experiences were with the different levels of theta.
1: Oh, that's fascinating. Wow. Yeah. I, and, and as far as my experience with, um, entering into alpha and theta uh, brainwave states for trance work and all the work that I do, uh, I, had never really had, I, I, didn't use binaural beats I never really felt called to use them a lot in the beginning. I tried it a few times, uh, but I found, uh, these, uh, like guided meditation type techniques in the beginning that I sort of adapted uh, on my own and then eventually discovered hypnosis. And in hypnosis, we really, uh, um, you know, they, they go in depth into training yourself to to enter into those states very quickly. Uh, but, it, but I think where the, the real value and why that fascinates me so much, what you were just talking about, is that when I'm doing this work on my own, I mean, I don't really know I have no idea what fre- exact frequency my brainwave is functioning at. And I think it would be fascinating to learn to to measure that and learn like, okay, well, when I'm in this range of theta, then I my work is, the journey work or whatever is more like this. Whereas if I'm closer to alpha, I'm having these kinds of experiences. That would be really fascinating to
0: work with. All right. And I see, I... I have tried guys to make my feed to my public page uh, public, but apparently it's not because I see we have comments and things right now. Uh, So um, if you're making comments and you're watching from my personal profile page, if you click the link, for the YouTube channel and you watch from there, if you make a comment from there, we will be able to see it and actually interact a little bit more. Uh, but but Sarah was saying, uh, Sarah and Jennifer are watching. Uh, Sarah loves this one. Sarah actually was in my sound healing class when I had Gypsy J come through Cleveland and we learned about crystal bowls. And uh, let's see, we she also said, that's awesome, Casey. I used to do that in my singing bowl meditations. People love it, everyone has a tool uh i'm not sure what she was referencing because it's kind of out of context. now <laughs> yes yeah. Beta said oh yeah i actually made that for my dear brother brian who's out in hawaii which we i'm gonna have us through crazy shamans with him like at like midnight one night because he's in hawaii six hours behind and we're gonna call it midnight meanderings with brian and <laughs> you'll, you'll know like this boy he could be a reality tv show in and of himself the most crazy stuff happens to him uh, <laughs> so we'll do that but if you're if you're um watching on my page please head over to the YouTube channel uh, make comments there and we can be a little bit more uh, interactive with you I just don't know how to make it public I've, I know I did it I did it right before we came on so let to try to do it right now again if it's going to let me
1: let me see but, if I can pull up your just so I can see what people are saying it's on your personal page so
0: yeah it is okay i made it public again and if it worked, we should see now all the comments just showed up. Okay. Oh so did I I guess whenever <laughs> oh, there we, they are. <laughs> yeah. So I guess whenever we do this, uh, I just have to check after we go live and make sure it's public again. Because I, I did it twice. Once yesterday when I scheduled, once today before we went on. I even told you I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. So or, or spirits doing a little bit of puklii with me, which means they can play, just <laughs> yeah. messing with me.
1: <laughs> oh. But I saw uh Sarah also said Tools are fun to play with, especially your voice. So I did want to talk a little bit about um, the because uh, we we were ta- touching on how different tones come in and everything. And so tube and throat singing, or you think there's a lot of. Throat singing uh, occurred in many parts of the world. There's like Nordic or uh, Viking throat singing. There's Mongolian throat singing. There's Tuban throat singing, uh, Buddhist monks in Tibet, Tibetan throat singing. So it kind of popped up everywhere. But what it, why it's really fascinating to me is that these are sounds that we are not taught we can make. It's We're using a part of our body that we're not taught can even make sounds. So I'll give you just a quick little demonstration. Hopefully not t- too loud to disturb my neighbors. But um, in thro- so here I'll give you the example, and I'll kind of explain a little bit. But it's this really deep kind of. Uh, and, and what is it called? Is there a particular name for what you're about to do? Um, Tuvin throat singing, or just throat singing in general? Oh, oh, well, this one that I'm doing would be called the khorkatir in
0: Tuvin throat singing. Well, I don't know how to spell that one. So I don't. I don't either. So. <laughs> okay.
1: So, uh, my voice, my vocal cords don't go that low. Uh, So, I wasn't singing with my vocal cords just then. I'm singing with what we call the false vocal cords are the larynx. It's an entirely different part of your throat, an entirely different set of soft tissue than the vocal cords we normally speak with. Um, and so w- when we do momentarily use these vocal, this, the larynx is like, if you're clearing your throat and you go, <clears throat> that kind of sound. So that's how you learn to do it. Right. <clears throat> and then you just make that a sustained thing.
0: <clears throat>
1: and then you kind of refine it until it becomes like a, 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 a tone without as much, uh, you're just trying to refine out as much sound as you can. So instead of like, uh, if you were to just make a clearing sound, it's kind of like raspy and you refine it until you get one single
0: and
1: you just open your mouth. But the really cool thing about this is by creating a resonant chamber for the sound in your mouth and raising that tone a little bit, you can get an overtone that you can move up and down to come through. I'm not that good at it, but I'm going to try and demonstrate what I'm talking about. So okay. you'll hear the first tone is going to be the, mm-hmm. and then see if you can hear the high pitch tone that comes in over top of it. Mm-hmm. I have to take off the headphones so I can focus on this. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't know if you're able to pick that up on the microphone, but you hear the kind of high pitch one that's like going up and down. Um, I don't know if you're able to hear that at all, Hank.
0: Yep, I was able to hear it. Okay,
1: <laughs> um, I think your neighbors are calling the police right now. <laughs> <laughs> Not again. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, so uh, but it's 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 a tool used in um, in sound healing a lot, and uh, and I know like for me, I don't know exactly. Uh, like what other people use it for. But that comes through when I'm trying to like clear really dense energy blockages that people are having trouble letting go of. Uh, I feel like if I do certain uh, tones with the throat singing, it really helps to break that up and move that
0: along. One of the things I do for clients, when they're on the table and I've run into an energy uh, thing that's really being stubborn, I will put the dish because uh, I I have played the a do since i never learned how to do it. Casey did. I cheated. and just bought a dish. <laughs> All right. and, and so I actually put it up on the table with it's like right by their feet. And I'll start playing that. And while I'm playing that, I have the gong right at the f- base and I'll hit the gong. And so like kind of what I'm intending and what I'm, asking of the universe is to loosen up all the stuff that's holding this in place like the cement that's holding this hoochah this heaviness in place and with the gong i'm blasting it into oblivion and transmuting it and so i do a little bit of a combination
1: the didgeridoo is such a fascinating instrument to me because you only have one note that you're able to play on the didgeridoo. There's no holes to make multiple notes, but with that one note, it's all about what what can you do with that? And you can do a whole lot with with just a single note.
0: I know, I used to think I knew how to play and then um, Casey played my didgeridoo and it was like, oh, I don't know how to play this at all. (laughs) I didn't even know, I didn't know it can make that noise.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's so, you know, it's funny. um, A friend of ours, uh, Brian Langsdale, um, uh, he came over with one of his didgeridoos and um was playing and i am like oh i've never played one that big before can i try yours and i started playing and uh he goes how long have you been playing the didgeridoo and i'm mm-hmm. like uh like a week and he's like he's like well you've played other wind instruments and stuff before that then i'm like no this is my first one and uh so we came to the conclusion that i have played didgeridoo a lot in a past life and that's the only reason i'm able to do that.
0: yeah is it, it is that um well it, it's a I play a couple of different instruments and that has definitely been a challenge to, to bring myself up to speed. And I still haven't gotten down the circular breathing. Like that's a whole nother science in and of itself. That's right.
1: one thing that I, I still have a lot of difficulty with. I, I can do it on my smaller didge uh, sort of. And if I were to, I know if I were to spend even just like a couple of weeks practicing, I could have it down on that one. But When I move on to a bigger didge like yours, um, I have a lot more difficulty doing the circular breathing. And also my nose is kind of, so you have to take a really quick inhale of as much air as possible through your nose. And I broke my nose when I was younger. So I don't have the best. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm never going to be able to do it, but I think I just have to really practice at it if I am going to
0: get that. Um. And now just a question when you're playing the dish, are you fighting that you, are you doing it like you're doing this? Um, There's throat singing or is it totally no. different?
1: Yeah, not at all. Not even a little bit. Um, so with the throat singing, I'm, I'm making the vibration from the larynx. When playing the didgeridoo, I'm not vibrating. Well, there are times when I'm vibrating my throat, but I don't do that at all. That's um, more just like when like you'd play the trumpet or something, making that kind of mm-hmm. with your... <laughs>
0: right. um,
1: sounds ridiculous when you do it like that, but into the didgeridoo, it creates these really cool tones. But in order to get... Um, it's like yeah, that plays one note. And then with that, you can kind of move your tongue in and out, and you can get it to kind of go like wow, 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 a little bit. But then to get some really cool tones to come in, you combine that <laughs> with your voice, and you go like, oh, or like high
0: pitching, and yo, 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 yo. And then that <laughs> creates all kinds of interesting tones.
1: Didgeridoo is a fascinating instrument.
0: Yeah. Well, when the <laughs> stay at home order is done, we'll have to do a live and have some demonstration of some sound toys. Uh, with- <laughs> oh, definitely. And, um,
1: Uh, Before we move on from the didgeridoo, one last thing I wanted to add about that. For those who are interested in the didgeridoo, this is a cool little uh, tidbit that I found out. Um, The didgeridoo originally in Aboriginal uh, culture uh, was used as a storytelling uh, instrument. I'm sure it was probably used for shamanic work and sound healing, but it was also a storytelling instrument. And so what they would do when playing these uh, different, they would sit around and when it was storytelling time, they would use the digi-radio to make different animal sounds so like say the guy was walking along and he saw a kangaroo they would do like a a a for the kangaroo hopping and then the little joey behind it would be like faster and then they had like all different like the kookaburra they would go like the and they do that through the dig and
0: uh, so i I thought that was really fascinating (laughs) that sounds cool and for those of you don't know how those are originally made it's actually eucalyptus branches that uh, termites hollow out the inside of, and then they just finish it. And I guess the story about how they discovered it is someone went to throw like a log on a fire or something like that. And because of the airflow difference as it burned, it started to create the sounders. There's there's some sort of story about how it was discovered, but the termites, because of the sap on the outside of the branch, they only can hollow out the inside. And so it's kind of mother nature makes it. And then we just kind of polish it up and, like if you get an authentic one, like a maybe I'll find a picture of the one I have. It's like this huge piece of eucalyptus, and it has like a beautiful cockatoo painted on it. It's like a really nice display piece, even. And I don't give it nearly the credit <laughs> that it deserves with how it could sound. <laughs> I'm yeah, working it- on it. I'll maybe yeah. another couple of lifetimes. I'll get it done. <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> yeah, but they, they are beautiful. And uh, a- anyone who's interested in any kind of uh, work with uh, sound healing or instruments, we've all got our voice, like we said, but if there's something that calls to you, you know, um, or if you've already played an instrument, say you play guitar or the flute or whatever it is you play piano, um, try becoming really present and, and sensing the energy of the sound behind what you play and just notice how that, uh changes your experience because it's one thing to be like you know have a chords memorized on a guitar we have you know notes memorized on a flute and be playing a certain sequence but to be super mindful and to really feel how that sound enters and affects your body and your energy field can totally shift that experience so just start playing around with whatever fun sound tool you have
0: and if you are having a guitar ukulele or something like that consider instead of tuning to 440 try 432 uh, which is one of the frequencies they salt, call it the frequency of love it more has to do with like um, creation itself it ha- it's a lot of different ratios that need to happen in the Goldilocks zone for us to exist so I mean I guess it's kind of self-love for us being here uh, but but it's like a, a very good creation frequency and then 444 which is like an angel number master number uh, so that would be like two different ways you could tune and just see if you even play the same song tune two different ways what's your experience how is it different?
1: And now, would that be a particular like note that people could tune it to, or is it just yeah. a slight difference? No, and-
0: you you make the A four forty four, and then you would tune the rest of the notes according to whatever they would be based on that note. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, back in the day, they used to have all kinds of different um, different things that they would tune things to, and they just standardized it with four forty. And there's conspiracy theory or not. I, I don't know what the I wasn't around back then. I don't know why they picked four forty or didn't. But there's all kinds of different uh, points of view on it, and all that doesn't matter. What matters is if you were going to make and uh, play a song on your uh, instrument now. Uh, what do you feel lightest? What would create the greatest possibility? Um, tuning it to four forty or tuning it to something else? Ask that question and follow your own knowing and see what your experience is. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, I, I just saw a comment in there. I, th- I thought
1: it was this was a little older one. No, no I didn't I, see. It was- no yeah, that and I saw someone said, I'm reading your mind and then master theta set. Okay, oh those we already read those.
0: Yeah, sorry. Yeah. And Ernie, I think he, he was one of the people who um, before I got the comments to show up, uh, went over to YouTube and started commenting. So, oh. <laughs> and, and, and folks, if you haven't already, if you uh, go to YouTube and just subscribe, uh, give us a thumbs up and share if you feel inspired to. Especially the subscribe helps us out uh, eventually, being able to get a custom URL and unlock some of the other features on YouTube as you get uh, more people and whatnot. Uh, so it definitely helps us out. And if YouTube sees that people are interested and people are liking it and they're commenting, then it gets served more. I believe that's how it works i think it gets served more in their algorithm to people saying hey this is something people really enjoy so uh check it out
1: it helps us spread this wonderful energy and message and inspiration to as many people as possible so uh help us and and help others as well uh, and then also uh, if we can link at some point uh shaman's way since we're plugging yeah. our channel uh shaman's way is my youtube channel and um i stir crazy shamans is on there but i do messages that i channel from spirit and uh, guided uh shamanic meditations and i do shamanic journeys that i I do for for everyone and i explain my journeys and all kinds of good shamanic stuff so if you like the energy stuff and shamanic stuff head on over there too
0: yep i will find that i know the one for stir crazy shamans is actually in the description for the uh thing today oh somebody already subscribed cool shamans way i'm getting your link right now and i'll post it in comments there awesome yeah
1: yeah, sound is. Uh, I guess I have a lot more experience.
0: <laughs> I knew. I, I was like,
1: man, you're not giving yourself the credit that you could be giving yourself. Well, well you know, I, I, that, it's like you ever watch the Dalai Lama talk when someone asks him a like r- real uh, difficult question about something. His response, um, the majority of the time, is, I don't know. <laughs> and then he says, I don't know. And then he proceeds to give like this amazing explanation and answer out of, I don't know. So <laughs> I was channeling that energy of the beginner's mind there. <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm going to say anyway.
0: <laughs> Let's see if, uh, well, the, the, I, you know, I find that I do that with my kids and my in-laws and everything. As soon as, um, as soon as they ask a question, I'm like, I don't know. And then I do, I proceed to give <laughs> an answer too. But one, one of the reasons I think I, I never really thought about why I do that, but as you tell that story, it's because in the space of I don't know, you have the ability to step into any possibility, but if you've already come to a judgment or conclusion of what the answer is, um, now you're just creating a limitation. So Mm -hmm. when you you start speaking from the place of I don't know and see what comes through, uh, you might have a lot more potential for possibility than if I know the answer
1: right (laughs) absolutely and you know in truth you know those of us who don't know uh you know that's when we when we can be in a space of not knowing anything that is when truth and and uh, divine inspiration comes through Uh, that's probably what you were saying in just different words but
0: (laughs) yeah something like that Uh, in my own words my crazy stir crazy shaman words (laughs) uh one one thing too um one of the popular uh, tuning fork sets or frequencies to use is called solfeggio and you might remember it from like do re mi fa sol la that's solfeggio right and uh the, the reason i bring it up is that ooh, proper phrase could not be i'm not sure what this is but i'll po- post this if you have something to speak to it in a sec uh, but like the, the, when they first started with tuning things, they actually would sit and they would get centered and they would say, what is today's note? What is the tonic note? And they would call that the oot, And they would come up with that note and then they would tune their instruments based on that note of the day. And then through uh, this whole process of um, rediscovering these frequencies in the books of the Bible, numerology, they say that these frequencies out there that are solfegeo really have nothing to do with solfegeo because what solfegeo is today, it isn't tomorrow because it changes because it's based on the tonic note, but it's a numerology set. So I wanted to throw that out there, especially since I know Sarah's uh, watching. uh, I know she'll appreciate that. It's really a numerology set. And that breaks down to all these different patterns of 369, 369, 369. There's always a these crazy patterns that happen with these nine forks or the custom set I made I did the inverse frequency so it's like a an 18 fork set and then when you use the 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 regular frequency and the inverse frequency it numerically always breaks down to a nine for completion so like there's a lot of um it's not just the frequencies like each tone when you look at the number like if you combine numerology and things like there is all this crazy potential and there is it, it's something to be said because you could spend a lifetime learning about this stuff. And if you're spending being so focused on learning all this stuff, you might miss the magic if you just ask that question based on that that one frequency. What is today's note? What tone today would create the greatest possibility? And then see what happens. And if you're in the space of doing something like Casey did or just kind of while, while no one's watching, just singing whatever is coming to you, you could be singing your own song of healing uh, is going to create the healing for you, the vibrations that you need to come into resonance to get rid of blocks and, and all that type of thing. So
1: really cool. Um, I have heard this theory and I, it's, I, I believe it's probably true. Uh, but how language originally started to develop, uh, in, in humans is it was, uh, we didn't, obviously we didn't have words to start out when we started communicating and getting more specific about our communication. It was, it was the intonation uh, it was, was how we communicated and it was almost like song. So, um, you know, instead of saying act- like actual words, it might have just been like a, oh, 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 or whatever, you know, just the tones is where how we communicate. And, and that translates in, uh, into the way our sort of brains are wired today. Uh, and that's, that's how they, they've come up with that theory is because when we're talking to people, um, our brains really don't remember the specific words all that well. So, for example, uh, I think maybe you're different than other people. Hm. Go back two sentences ago from what I just said. What were the exact words that I said? Oh, no clue, and nor right. do I care.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: But you remember the energy behind what I said and the emotion that I was trying to portray, right? Right. So, uh, and that's what kind of our brains are. Why we, we again? And I think I heard us if I if I remember correctly we only remember 15 to 20% of the actual words that were spoken in a conversation with another human being. Uh, but what we do remember is the tone, the way the words were said, and the emotion and the energy behind it. Um, so, th- and I, where I first learned about this was in telemarketing, and we, we were learning to uh, th- uh, h- how to use tone to create interest in people that we were trying to sell the local newspaper to. Um, but it's, it was fascinating to learn and play with. And then when I started learning more about like uh, hypnosis and hypnotherapy, same thing. Uh, when we're guiding a person into the trance state, the words that we're saying aren't nearly as important as how we're saying them. And then you really started to focus in on like the way you would move the tone of your voice. Like if you were trying to get someone to go deeper into the trance state, you know, you might start out here and go, and you go deeper and deeper and deeper relaxed as you're like kind of lowering your voice down and that creates mm-hmm. all kinds of different effects in people's minds and it can even just using your voice that way can and, and it's it's a si- similar thing to how uh, like, you know some people we listen to we have that word like that guy's got a really monotone voice and it's just boring to listen to a person that just kind of and today's topic, we're going to discuss this today and in politics, we get totally bored. But if we hear someone with excitement in their voice, really passionate about what they're talking about, that locks us in and we want to listen instinctively. So it's, it's fascinating how tone plays into even our everyday conversations with each other.
0: Right. And if you combine tone, uh, are you familiar with NLP at all? Neurolinguistic programming? Yep. There you A go. A little bit. so... So, well, especially salespeople, they're really trained in it because if you can identify somebody's buying strategy, uh, you can manipulate, and this is where car salesmen, you go in to just look at a car and you walk out buying something that you never intended to buy, right? Because identify your buying strategy. And even in your word choice, like they know like, okay, this guy, I got to tell them, I want to show you all these features. Let me show you these safety statistics. And someone who buys kinesthetically, let me take you, I have got to get this person to take a test drive, right? Or so depending if they're audio, visual, kinesthetic, or what combination of salespeople are trained, if they're trained well, uh, to manipulate someone's buying strategy and and get them to buy when they're not really ready. <laughs> <laughs> but you could also use it like 90% of the. I'm kind of going off topic, but that's okay. 90% of like uh, relationship issues have nothing to do with them, like really not being in love necessarily, but it has everything to do with someone who needs to have love communicated communicated to them in one way, and the person communicating to me I was giving it a different way they just miss each other and if they if you can identify your partner's strategy for how they need to receive information kinesthetically of visually audially like do you need to tell your wife that she loves you or you got to get her flowers if you don't get her flowers she doesn't know like is that is it an experience driven thing or audible or visual is that what people call
1: their love language I've heard that term recently
0: I'm not sure Okay.
1: I, I didn't know what it meant. I heard someone, someone was telling me that like, uh, their girlfriend's love language was like buying gifts and theirs was oh. doing, you know,
0: something. probably the same thing, but just a different vocabulary. Cause it's just like, however, somebody needs to receive information. And here's a great example with that. There was uh, somebody in my NLP class when I was taking it that, uh, after they, they them applying one of the, the principles, like their daughter, no matter how many times they told them what to do, they never got it, never got it, never got it, left a note on the door, done. And so like, if somebody, if, if somebody's a visual thing, they, they got to see it, they can't just hear it. And it's not that they can't, like it, when you're aware, you can intentionally, you know, develop your other ways of receiving information and whatnot. But if you're dealing with somebody that isn't in that awareness, it can help. Uh, to identify that. So when I I do um, investments on the phone for a company one day a week, keep myself busy, right? Oh, Ernie says it was the five languages of love uh, is what you might might have been referring to. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And also that the universe talks in frequencies and emotions less with mental constructs. Absolutely. Neil Donna Walsh in his work says feeling is the language of the soul, right? Mm. Uh, But if if you're dealing with people who aren't, really embracing their self-awareness uh sometimes that it's helpful to identify how they need to receive information because you can cater your communication to them uh in a way that they are more willing and able to receive it and then ultimately create ease in both of your lives hopefully yeah and uh i know
1: especially for those of us who are more sensitive i think a lot of people watching this probably are our empaths uh if they're aware of it or not um but i know like uh you know, you hear sometimes in arguments, right? People will say, they're saying something and um, person feels like they're being like attacked and they're like, I'm not attacked, I, I said this, not this. And they're like, no, but it was the way you said it, right? And so we can, we can create entirely different emotions in people just based on the way we communicate a specific message. If I, you know, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, Oh no, I was gonna use an example that with an expletive that would not have been good to do on the podcast where we don't know who our audience <laughs> is. But, um, uh, and you know, that's like, like even like sarcasm, right? Like if we say, oh, that's wonderful. You know, that's different than if like, that's
0: wonderful. <laughs> you know, two totally different meanings there and all i did was change the tone and the way that <laughs> well and there's two things that affect that one is where the space that you're coming from but the other is the other person's uh filters because i could truly be coming from a place of that's an interesting point of view and mm-hmm. i really don't have a and it's not that i don't care but it may not be relevant to me and stuff like that but i find that the more interesting point of view i am sometimes uh my wife goes the opposite direction and it's like, okay, I'm not going to use that tool with uh, with her because no, no matter how, how neutral I am, it might come across as sarcasm and it's really not my intention, but that's how it's being received. So it's part one is like where the space that you are in. And the other part is the filters that the other person, Is receiving it through and a a great example of a filter if you have the point of view like I I gave this example on a previous um, live stream that like this group of researchers goes out to study like this native island culture right and they see that people live in huts and they have the opinion because of coming from you know the modern world while these people are barbarians or these people are primitive uh, or whatever the case is. And they're looking through the lenses of this belief or this point of view. And so no matter what the natives actually are doing, uh, they're receiving it through this filter and they're not getting a true knowing of what what is.
1: Yeah, and we do, we sort of filter, uh, we have our own indoctrinations and, and the ego wants to kind of filter everything. So until until we get to the point where we're no longer identified with the thinking mind and the ego, uh then i think all we're always uh sort of seeing everything through some kind of filter and we make these snap instant judgments right where uh, you know we see uh The person, and we go like, oh yeah, that's that kind of person, or whatever, you know, like, uh, you know, or whatever it is, you know, you see a even even something simple as like that's a tree, you know, that takes. We talked about this. That takes away the magic of the experience, but we but we really don't, I I think, recognize how much we are really filtering and just labeling a reality all of the time. Whereas when we step back and we're no longer identified with the thoughts, we have the pure experience, and there's there's real magic that comes through and that's where true joy and true peace and true love come through is when you stop labeling all of these experiences and bringing it back to what we're talking about communicating with people um there was a quote by someone uh i can't remember who it was but it was uh, every interaction between two humans is a sacred experience and then one of the spiritual teachers i was listening to uh amended that a little bit and said every interaction between two humans has the potential to be a sacred experience. and he meant that if we're present for it, you know if we're present in and truly seeing that person without the filter of the mind and the ego, then every interaction with every human being we have can be this powerful spiritual sacred experience.
0: Very beautiful. I like that because uh, we have to show up for the magic is basically remember that we're the magic and then you have it in everything that you do yeah absolutely and it also goes to uh, something we said before is uh, when you can go from having relationships with people which is a function of the duality being in creationships with people where you recognize them recognizing them also as this divine attribute and what can i create with them versus how can i relate to them there's two different energies one is from a place of oneness and one is from a place of separation so as we also go through those relationships being able to be in that place of oneness with everything that we do uh, really can shift uh, the possibilities of what you're experiencing and actualizing in your life same teacher uh, i I think it was or maybe it was a different one
1: but they were talking (laughs) about. They were talking about relationships, and um, they said that in order for a relationship to truly succeed, there needs to be um, presence or uh, like conscious awareness in at least one of the two people. Um, so, if you get, and you know, obviously to have a healthy, successful, really loving relationship is what he was talking about. So, you know, if you have one person who's all up in the mind and creating their drama, but the other person's really at peace, then eventually just by holding that vibration, you know, this relationship will succeed and that person will come to match and be in that present space. Um, But if you have, and if you have two people like that, then, you know, you're already good to go, you're set. But, uh, you know, if you have two people who are caught up in the mind the ego thrives on that sort of drama, right? And when we're not really seeing each other for what we and who we really are, um, then we're going to start to label each other more and more. And then you see the little, you know, whatever little flaws, and then that becomes exaggerated. That's why relationships kind of blow up and all of that. But it's all just because we're, we're labeling and judging that, person and in, in the little actions and details
0: right and a lot of times we do that because we're taking just what was just an experience and then we start tagging stuff onto it and right. one example that prom gives is you you ask your boss for a um well first you say good morning to your boss and your boss doesn't say good morning back and they just go in their office and you're like wow my boss is a real jerk right and then you go ask your boss hey boss uh, could i have you know next friday off and like no you can't and then we're like, my boss is a real a-hole you know and now like three of your coworkers are going out with your boss to lunch and you're not invited. I'm like, my boss is insensitive, right? But what you don't know is that your boss was in a hurry to get to a meeting and because there was a failing project and that the day that you asked to have off, everybody else already asked to have off and they couldn't, you know, afford to have anybody else go. And the lunch meeting that was that was going to happen was your colleagues being taken out to lunch to kind of get chewed up because they were falling behind in a project and they didn't want to have that conversation in the office so like we take what were simple facts and extrapolate based on whatever (laughs) you know (laughs) and come up with a whole different story where the actual truth is your boss said no and then we add all that other drama to it (laughs) right yeah and uh, one of the
1: uh, examples uh another teacher of mine gave me um was like uh, you know a lot of the times, people like wake up at like three in the morning, and they sit there and they're thinking in bed, and like you know all this, you know. Oh, I've got to do this tomorrow. I got to gotta pay my bills. How am I going to f- get that done? And then oh, yesterday this happened, and oh, I hated the way that I what I said to that person, and all this, and uh, they're, so they're literally missing out on sleep, which is like causing them health issues and all this stuff, um, and, and in their head, all these like there's things worrying about all the stuff happening tomorrow and then they're dreaded you know stressed out about what had happened the day before but in reality they're lying in a comfortable bed at three in the morning and there's just darkness and nothing's happening there's nothing happening there they're just laying in bed (laughs) and so we create that all of that situation all of that stuff happening it's all just activity electricity all up uh, in, in the brain. And uh, if you step out of that and, and into the present moment, at uh, three in the morning, when you're stressing out and you can't sleep and you feel like crap, if you were to just step into the present moment and go, oh, it's quiet, it's dark, it's warm, I'm going to go back to sleep.
0: <laughs> and Ernie shared something that is reminiscent of something that one of my teachers says at Fellowships of the Spirit, the foundational pastor, Elaine Thomas, uh, during class, she would often say, may the God in me the god in thee for the highest good which really encapsulates the whole thing with namaste and namaste ernie says is to see the divine within you mm. so nice the light t- in me recognizes the light in you yeah whatever you want to say and to bring this all back to tone and frequency the the points of view the judgments the considerations all those those places that we go are energies and they have with it a certain tone and a certain frequency. And if you find yourself going into the place of being negative, which is really the only true devil, Satan, seeing anything as negative, it's an acronym. Anytime you catch yourself doing that, one tool is to, you know, act opposite. If you feel You know, if you're in self-pity, act opposite and do something different that can help you bring out of that state. Whatever is going to work for you. But if you're in that place, just something that's going to start to create an upward spiral. We talked in our past episodes where one really easy way to do that is to just say, "How does it get any better than this?" It's an access tool, and by saying that, the universe shows you this is how you get it gets better. Instead of saying, "Why? Why is this happening?" and the universe says here's more of why this is happening. Here's more of why this is happening. And we get caught in that victim loop. So any little thing you can do, if you think that all this stuff is um, way far out there and you, it takes long, too long to get to the place to really have these, uh, these experiences with tone and frequency, it really comes down to where you're being right now and the things that you can do to sh- start shifting your being because your entire experience drawn to you from the oneality perspective is based on the vibration that you're being, right? like attracts like, and if you're, if you're in a place of despair, your experience is you're drawing more of that. And, but if you can start raising that you can draw more spirituality to you.
1: We hear a lot of people talk about the law of attraction all the time. Uh, but I've heard it, but the, the law of attraction is really the law of vibration, right? So it's um, it's you look at it on a, on a deeper level, uh, whatever vibrational frequency you're, you're you're vibrating at and you're putting out are the vibrations that are going to come in so this frequency whatever you know we 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 tune ourselves to whatever frequency and we experience whatever's on that frequency which is why sometimes we feel uh, uncomfortable around certain people like if we're up here and we're feeling good vibrating at a higher vibrational frequency and then we come uh and interact with the person who's like down low very you know negative and uh wallowing in self-pity or whatever it is you know we get uncomfortable we're like you know i want to leave the room i don't want to be around this person um and the reason we're uncomfortable with that is because our vibration is like rejecting that uh so our our frequencies up here they're down here and it doesn't match us so we like gotta get out of we got to get out of here because it it's we like are instinctively energetically vibrationally rejecting that lower vibration
0: yeah well, if you are aware enough to have that awareness, I would invite, if, if you're in that space, have the uh, idea to come to you that, what contribution could I be to that person to raise their vibration? Yes. So, like, so like yeah, you, if, it's, if, it, if there's awareness and there's a dissonance, um, if you are walking the path of the shaman or the healer, um, yeah, it doesn't mean you have to, you know, get to be best friends with them or anything, but ask, is there a contribution I could be for them?
1: Yeah. And sometimes just holding that space, holding that higher vibration and listening is all you need to really do. Um, and I, a lot of the time I'll have people come to me and I'm sure you have this experience as a healer yourself, but you know, even complete strangers sometimes will just open up about uh, their whole life story and all this drama and all the horrible things. I've had it happen like in line at the grocery store where people start telling me about how like their dad just died and all this, like they just dump everything to this you know, seeming complete stranger. I've never met them before and in this life, at least. And, cool. uh, and then um, all I do is hold that space. You know, I'm just present with that person, really listening as present. Like you said, like the, having the divine experience of interacting with a human being by not judging them, not labeling, just holding that peaceful space. And, you know, and I really don't need that. I may say like one or two words, uh, it, not I mean, one or two sentences or something. So it's really simple. And the words aren't really that important. Um, but in just holding that space and then a couple words, you can completely shift the energy of of a person who's in this horrible, stressed out state and where they're like on the verge of a breakdown, just holding that space, being there. I've seen people shift from like ready to cry to like almost laughing and and giving me a hug just by holding that space. It's amazing. So yeah, the frequency in our vibrational state has an impact that reaches far beyond just our our own body and field.
0: Right. And just the fact that you're being present with someone, because, because of the thing that you mentioned before, where if you, regardless of what path you're walking, when you have someone that is really in that place of self despair and everybody kind of want to, wants to run away from it, just to be there and be willing to be with the person in that and acknowledging them where they're at, that is in that action by itself, regardless of what you say, like you say, holding the space uh, is immensely important. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. If, uh, and and that was I, th- I channeled a message I think a couple of days ago in our um, in our podcast and uh, spirit came through with a message for that just to kind of tie that back into like the, all that's happening right now in the world. Um, so, sometimes the best thing we can do for all these people who are experiencing so much chaos and suffering is just to hold that space. You know, and sometimes people, you know, what what can I do? I'm stuck at home, so I can't really go out and be active or whatever. You know, yes, do whatever you can with technology. We have all this amazing technology out there. But sometimes the most important thing is to just hold that space of peace and love and keep that high vibration so that others can more easily raise their own vibration to match
0: that. And one thing to do along with that is while you're in that space, to be in the space of interesting point of view or neutrality, that it's not about judging, because there's not really a, a good or bad to where anybody's at. In the shamanic traditions, there's like fourth levels of the priesthood, and they don't look at it as a hierarchy, they just look at it as different. And there's um, there's something to be said, because in the duality, part of why all this is, potentially, is so, I'll give you a quote from Neil Don Walsh, in the absence of that which you are not, that which you are is not. And so the only way for one to know oneself is to have the context of the perception of good and bad. In reality, it's all just experience. So when you're looking at all those things to hold the space, but really just acknowledging people for where they're at, but not from the viewpoint of inferiority or superiority or anything like that, or, or even compassion, because compassion, if you're in a place of compassion, could be a judgment because you're being compassionate versus I'm just embracing this other being for where they're at and it, with no strings attached.
1: And to kind of, because I know we're kind of getting to the hour mark here. So my last little nugget to kind of wrap all what we've just been talking about together. Because I always like to bring in the being in that space of curious awareness, right? I love um, curious awareness. <laughs> so all, all, all the like we're, we've been saying, all these experiences, whether it's, um, you know the most horrible suffering you've ever experienced or like the highest joy, uh, those are all just vibrations. They're just different frequencies and they only become bad and good when we put those labels on them. But when you can come to the space where you can truly experience these, what, what all of our experiences is just vibrational frequencies. If you can experience them as just vibrations, which isn't some big feat, it sounds like it is, but really it's just, being fully present in your senses placing having curious awareness without the need to label everything just holding that peaceful space of being then really everything is as it is and that sounds like a really obvious statement but to have the experience of things being as they are completely shifts your perception of reality and you go from a place of Like Hank always says, you're no longer reacting to everything. You're truly experiencing and creating reality. So experience all of the frequencies of life, but experience them purely as they are without the need to label so much. Even if it's just, even if
0: you can just do that for a second to start out, like feel how that feels different. I'll give this again. And then the access kind of version of it in the absence of that, which you are not that which you are is not or the axis one, everything is the opposite of what it appears to be, and nothing is the opposite of what it appears to be. And use that whenever you find yourself in a situation where things just aren't making sense, or you can't understand why a person would do that and all that, say that a couple times in your head and see how things might shift. And also understand, I'm using this on purpose now, if you put out the energy to understand somebody, uh, you are basically telling the universe, bring me experiences that will put me in the same spot, so I can really have an understanding of where they got, the, how they got there. Mm. And, and if you do that, especially with parents, like how many people are going, oh my gosh, I became my parents, right? Because mm. the, the, the universe understands energy, and if you say, I want to understand them, and it's like, well, here's a set of circumstances where now I just made the same choice, and oh my gosh, I totally get why they did that. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nicer, instead of that, you just say, what contribution could I be for them to have more possibility in their life instead of understanding? standing that's huge that's powerful I love that <laughs> uh, anything
1: else today yeah I uh, will just all the good stuff you know like subscribe share all of this um, reach out to us join in uh, oh and tonight want to make that mention before I forget uh, oh, yes. tonight at 7 p.m. Uh, we're live streaming my shamanic meditation. So if you want to learn more about energy vibrations and get to learn, connect with the realms of spirit in a more uh, experiential way, instead of uh, um, just having the words, which words are important as well, but um, then join in seven o'clock on shaman's way. Um, I think we do disturb crazy shamans mm-hmm. and uh, wherever else you'd happen to be able to tune in from uh, join in on that. And um It'll be a wonderful experience for whoever decides to join.
0: And you can actually go back to either stir crazy shamans page or a shaman's way. And the last one that he did is there, they're going to all be archived. So if you miss one, they're there. And he's just kind of doing this as a contribution to the world. But if you feel inspired, I believe we have a PayPal link or whatnot. If you want to make a contribution, you can, but certainly not required, Uh, but it's always appreciated.
1: Yes. So (laughs) thank you all so much for being present with us today. Thank you for your beautiful vibrations and frequencies and energy and your attention. And Nike
0: and Nike and Nike, you. Namaste.